Welcome to Inkwell, a podcast from Houston, Texas, for anyone engaged in the world of reading and writing. Inkwell is brought to you by Imprint, a nationally renowned literary arts nonprofit which, since 1983, supports writers and conducts readings featuring the world's leading authors for adults and children, workshops for people of all ages and backgrounds, and other programs to promote creative writing and reading, and Tintero Projects, which showcases the work of national and international Latinx and Latin American writers through readings and workshops. Inkwell hosts Jasmine and Lupe Mendez, writers, educators, activists, and founders of Tintero Projects, will interview emerging and established writers from across the nation and around the world with energy, wit, and fresh perspective on what it means to ink well in this day and age. Welcome, Welcome back! Back, everyone! <laughs> we took a really long break. A siesta. Was it a siesta? Da, 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 da. <laughs> uh, from doing Inkwell. My name is Lupe Mendes, and to my right is... Isis Fernandez Rojas, standing in for one Jasmine Mendes. Because Jasmine is enjoying the sunny beaches. She's living her best life. Yeah, she's in Santo Domingo, yeah. losing her in Santo Domingo. They took a, a, a mental break, sabbatical, slash... We need to see our grandparents in the DR. And so we over here doing the work and, and getting things done. Getting things um, done. So, yeah, we this is our first episode back here at the, the, the amazing Imprint Mansion. Right. On the fourth floor. On the fourth floor overlooking the vistas. Overlooking the vistas mm-hmm. and the lake. And they're like, oh, the lake is gorgeous. For those of you that don't know that we're in Houston in the Imprint House, we're in Rich's office. We're in Rich's office. Uh, those of you that know Imprint, y'all know what I'm talking about. I can see the Wits House from across the street. Oh, yeah, Wits uh, yeah. You know, things. So, yeah, it's our first episode back. It's been a hot yeah. minute. Yeah, it's been a while. I don't even... Is it three? It's been know. since the... Pan- uh, we're in a pan dulce also. Oh, the pan and, dulce uh, break. Doesn't remember, I don't remember pan anything. Pan dulce break, so... <laughs> but so, how have you been, Isis? Cansada, tired, energized by the beautiful humming light of my bedroom <laughs> as we all stay inside. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I am. Uh, so a few things have changed. Uh, I have am, they now? I am now the Texas Poet Laureate. Oh, I heard that. Something about that. Something like, about that. I mean, and so on the I'm, socials, it's on there. I'm, get, I'm getting into all the things for that and all prepping. Because uh, my tenure doesn't actually start till May. And so... I mean, let's just be real. Like your your tenure started when they announced you. <laughs> well, cause, yeah, cause, yeah, I mean, just yeah, like what's what's time? Time right now is like time abstract. Is so. is abstract, all these things, right? Yeah. Um, and before we continue, we would like to let you know this episode mm-hmm. will feature the amazing talent mm-hmm. of poet Joy Priest. Uh, Joy, can you say hello? <laughs> Hi, hello, hello. I'm trying not to laugh into the mic. <laughs> oh, you can laugh, laugh into the mic. That's all we do in the room. I was waiting for my introduction. Hello. That. Hey. <laughs> I've been called the Beyonce of poetry. I love it. Oh, I love okay. it. I love it. <laughs> uh oh. Okay. Uh-oh. Um, we're gonna do the full official intro in the second half. But so yeah, it's yeah. so good to see you. I would hug you right now, but we're on microphones. No, it también um, you got cooties. And, like. and I. <laughs> And there's a vaccine for that. Well, I have them all. Circle, circle. <laughs> dot, dot. Dot, dot. And all the rest, right? Yeah. Do that three times and you're fine. You're listening to Inkwell, <laughs> collaboration between Imprint and Tintero Projects. Welcome to Houston. Hey, it's down. <laughs> for those of you that aren't familiar with the way our shows run, it's fire and magic and all the things smoke and mirrors and uh, smoke and mirrors and things uh and so uh i'm gonna give you a quick introduction of our amazing poet mm-hmm. the poet will read mm-hmm. and then we'll jump into the interview mm-hmm. and then for those of you that are giddy happy little school children you can fast forward to the lightning round mm-hmm. that we do at the end of the show that are all the hard-hitting heavy questions all the things you want to know the public wants to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, so here is uh, the bio. Joy Priest is the author of Horsepower, uh, Pitt Poetry Series 2020, selected as the winner of the Donald Hall Prize for Poetry by U.S. Poet Laureate Natasha Chethway. Uh, she's the recipient of the 2021 National Endowment for the Arts Fellowship, a 2019-2020 Fine Arts Works 
Center Fellowship and the Stanley Kunis Memorial Prize for the American Poetry Review. Her poems have appeared in numerous publications, including the Academy of American Poets Poem a Day series, which is brilliant, the Atlantic and Virginia Quarterly Review, among others, as well as in commissions from the Museum of Fine Arts Houston and the Los Angeles County Museum of Art. Her essays have appeared in The Bitter Southerner, Poets and Writers, and ESPN. She is currently an imprint M.D. Anderson Foundation Fellow and a doctoral student at the University of Houston, as well as the imprint Paul Verlaine Prize winner, ladies and gentlemen, the amazing, the brilliant, the incomparable, Joy Priest. The Black Outside. The enclosure is so brutal, Sadia Hartman. The jazz. It puts you on a swing in your project neighborhood, where you learned the antithesis of ownership, where you learn to live with the loudness of your neighbor's living. It brings an ecology of sincerity, the thought of the black outside. And you believe that shit. You believe the hollowed out trunks, the treehouse of our speech, the way we say things, had to quit carrying on with folks who don't have a history of being hidden or community plumbing issues. Done with jazzless folks who ask why you still have feelings, your being wayward with us now in the black outside, the jazz, it puts you on a swing in the gentry's neighborhood, which used to be your neighborhood where you pinned your personality on a shared clothesline, where you placed your speaker in the courtyard window to bring us out, on a swivel now in the bureaucratic fabric, on a walk you've taken to escape the mind so close to itself it cannot see itself like the eyes above the nose. What doesn't pursue you? Now you are even after yourself. On that walk all the way to wall and back down, worrying about the way you look, feeling unstable on the inside, you write from above yourself. And on at Van Buren, when you turn back toward Montrose Boulevard, there it is, an olive Buick stalled in the median. And suddenly, you are in the black outside. Dear beloved in the future, are you still maroon? Lover, are you there? Am I there too? What? Huh. Breathe That's the new shit. Breathe new shit. Breathe. Um, yeah, I forgot to breathe. <laughs> breathe. I forgot to breathe. That's jazz swing. Yeah. No country for black boys. When walking while black from a 7-Eleven, conceal your watermelon Arizona fruit juice. No sudden movements like, say, reaching for a pack of Skittles. You might end up wrestling for the right to live. You be second-class citizen unarmed, three weeks 17. Fight, howl for help in your home. Heart suspended over a hollow point. Remember to call out a mother's name. They don't know your screams apart from man with gun. He is the one who survives in America. I am always there, I patrol, I follow, dark skin in a hoodie, I leave my vehicle, come after you trying to get away, I neighborhood watch. Like a suburb with color rushing in, your life has low value, boy. Parade around here like that, like you are only victim, plead for help in your savage life. Get trial and conviction on my Florida sidewalk, remember me pain, die with only a ghetto heart. How does it feel listening to your body expire? These assholes always get away, but I am the one who survives in America. When walking while black, I am always there. I patrol, I follow from a 7-Eleven. Conceal your dark skin in a hoodie. Watermelon, Arizona fruit juice. I leave my vehicle, come after you. No sudden movements like, say, trying to get away. I neighborhood watch. Reaching for a pack of Skittles, like a suburb with color rushing in. You might end up wrestling for. Your life has low value, boy. The right to live, you parade around here, be second-class citizen unarmed like that, like you are only three weeks 17. 
Fight, howl, victim, plead for help in your home, heart, savage life. Get trial and conviction suspended over a hollow point on my Florida sidewalk. Remember me. Remember to call out a mother's pain. Die with only a ghetto name. They don't know heart. How does it feel? Listening to your screams apart from your body expire. These assholes, man with gun, he is the one who always get away. But I am the one who survives in America. And that's the episode, everybody. And thanks for coming. That's sure. It's all. Yeah. Yo, that's. Okay. <sighs> imagery, um, imagery, I love you so much. Yo, Joy, hey, thank you for coming mm-hmm. and doing this episode. It's cold and it's, and it's rainy, mm-hmm. but we're thankful that you're here. Uh, thank you for that book, for that poem. I'm always breathless every single time she reads. And so that's like. Yeah, a treat, a total, it's heavy, but beautiful. So with all the imagery and the images and and pieces that are within the this collection, you have tons of images of like family. Do you feel that you write to capture the moment and the memory, or do you feel like you're writing to release those things? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Can I say something about the poem I read? Yes. Please. Before Absolutely. I answer that question? Yes. Because I usually don't read that poem, or I haven't in a long time. Today is February 26, 2022. Correct. So it's been 10 years since February 26, 2012, when Trayvon Martin was shot and killed uh, walking through his father's Florida suburb. And y'all asked me to read the poem. And so I think, you know, it's, I don't also, I also don't get asked to read that poem very much anymore. So I thought that it was like, you know, sort of a cosmic ask, and, and I thank you for it. But um, the reason why I, ch- I don't read it is because this weird thing happens, I think, sometimes in in any industry, in the literary industry or whatever, but the poem started to be commodified in these weird ways right. that were uncomfortable for me because it was like, this is someone's life. And I see that, I saw that too today, some like on Twitter where people were like, you know, this has been the 10-year anniversary since Trayvon's death. He started a movement, you know, and it's like, no one wants to die for that, right. you know? So I just, like, try to be careful and conscientious about how 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 a poem even can become, which is, is speaking to my experience with Trayvon's death, but how a poem can become a commodity mm-hmm. of someone's death in very uncomfortable ways. But I feel comfortable reading it here with y'all. Thank so. you. Thank you for reading it. And the reminder. I think that's we, especially in, in writing circles and as we put forth what we're creating, it's also the necessity to speak about these are things that are witnessed, these are things that are felt, but that that, that we don't put them away because they're published and in a book. Like mm-hmm. you can close the page on that but that's somebody's existence or they're not here and so what are those things that happens when that person isn't here anymore like yes the 10 years and if somebody says that's that's a a, a movement yeah like i don't it's not worth i'd rather have that person right i'm not trying around. to sell no t-shirts correct off like it's it's not it, it's not gonna be something tied in a nice little bow mm-hmm. And, you know, it's not a regalo that just goes out. And so I think, thank you for for making sure that that's mentioned. Or even the privilege of just being able to turn the page on something like that and putting it away. It's just like, you know, it doesn't, it didn't go away for that family. Mm -hmm. Correct. Correct. In in the book, the poem is in the context of the section that it's in, which Mm -hmm. is where the speaker is encountering for the, you know, sort of making this transition from one part of town in a very segregated city to another, from one white parent to um, her black parent and then being in community with young black men, whether it's her brother, her cousins, her friends at school. And so it, it felt right in the context of the, the book's narrative. So that's why it found a place in there, but it was also a hard decision to like include it because of the ways that I felt it had been. It just sort of like went viral in, mm-hmm. in a way that was uncomfortable. Right, mm. right, right, right. Beautiful reading of the piece itself, but very true. And those things can exist in the same element and sphere and environment. I, I keep thinking this arroyo, like just like how, like the 
lyric of cantos that exist of like previous things and people who have fallen, corridos that exist, like they're there. It pins the moment, but those things are still like, I keep thinking of corridos of like olden days, like from the early 20s. Like, yeah, yeah. those were people's real lives, right? And those were those real were people, things, those were real people, those mm-hmm. were real, real stories, incidents, real, yeah. And and so, when we say we immortalize things, are we listening to the actual language or are we just romanticizing right. a thing when it doesn't need to be? And I, I kind of think, think of them as like monuments to the event, right? Yeah. And it's just like we, you know, none of us has like a couple million dollars to build a huge statue to commemorate the mm-hmm. event that in this spot, a life has fallen. Mm-hmm. But what we do have are words, right? right? You know, we own those words. We own we own the feelings of those words. So we could build a monument with our words to the event so we don't forget that a person has fallen. Emmett Till was a person right right a whole person out here right Trayvon Martin whole person right James Bird whole person so that's kind of how I think about it like you know when we're you were reading the poem just like wow I'm thinking of it as like we aren't going to forget you we are going to mark this moment because you are a whole person and people need, need to know that you existed in your beautifulness and in your glory. And in a moment, you just, you just went to the store to get some food, man. Like, mm-hmm. and, and I was a 24 year old at the time that I wrote the poem. I'm 33 years old now. I was 24 years old when I wrote the poem working in a, a movie theater box office. And it felt like that's all I could offer was a poem, mm-hmm. like surreal. immemorial in my, in my anger, in my, you know, frustration and confusion. And, just even the attempt to articulate. And it's sacred. It's a sacred memorial and it should be treated as such. Correct. Lovely. Lovely. So what's the original question? Yeah, right. Memory and release. <laughs> <laughs> so the original question, and it kind of, you already kind of yeah. touched a, a little bit on it. The tons of in, uh, images of family and interactions that occur uh, within the collection. Do you feel that the writing serves to capture that memory in that instance or does it serve to to release it Mm. i've never thought about the release of it honestly i have a really bad memory (laughs) and sometimes i joke about that like maybe i'm a poet because it's like a an exercise that allows me to archive things so they don't they're not lost but I mean, that's a great question. A lot of my poems in this book come out of a memory exercise that my great and best teacher, the poet Nikki Finney, who I worked with for 10 years, the whole time that I was working on the poems in this book, she gave me an exercise in our undergraduate writing workshop to make a noun chart of people, places, and things that constantly recur to you like mem- oh. in memories. And... So you know, a lot of poems in the book are just like from that chart, sort of like thing. I don't know if you ever had like a recurring dream or nightmare yeah, yeah. or a memory from childhood. So just things like that. And so I do think memory is play, has a big function in this book. And I and I wouldn't have been able to even see it before, but now that I'm working on a new manuscript that feels like it doesn't really have like memory isn't in a a central part of of my writing when I'm working on the manuscript I think I would characterize this first book as like I do think it's it's almost exclusively from like memories visual scenes in my head you know I've never thought about the release part of it but I mean I I guess that I don't know if it's released. It's, so, it's sort of like the book is an escape narrative, but I don't I don't think that you can escape yeah. things yeah, either. Yeah, 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 you know, yeah. so it's like, do those memories that I wrote from still recur to me? Yes. And it, it's also like, do you, they are part of that fiber that makes all the schema, like the way you, the impression of how the world is comes from the instances of how we do and how we've done and, things that we've encountered and people we've encountered. And so, yeah, yeah. I'm always, I, I'm, I'm always thinking in terms of like when we put the pen down after we've written a thing, does that thing still linger within? Yeah. Right. And so I, I, so in that vein, the, but yeah, no, that's, that's spot on. Right. Like 
That's a good response. Maybe there can be a release from like patterns in the future. Right. But not like a release from the memory's possession over you. Right. You know, I'm thinking right now because I'm 13 months sober, how in recovery going through us, like having to write out as a part of my recovery narratives of my uh, using and drinking, how I'll remember something for like that I that I've I I forgot complete like completely forgot happened from like eight years ago or something that I just completely it just got shoved back there I just never thought about it again and how those things come up like constantly now and so I I think about that and that's probably going to be another you know I probably will write about that maybe the third book or something and so that would be a, another book of memories and I guess in looking at at these new memories. The function of it is just to figure out what has made me into like who I am, how I think, how I write, how I inter- how I interact with other people, my, my relations to other people. But will I ever be released from the memories of those things? No, they're gonna haunt me till I die. Right. <laughs> but maybe they it can change the way that I, you know, relate to others. Right. Even even how you potentially can think on them in mm-hmm. terms of like where they sit in terms of like how raw they are or how, you know, do you think about them ever so often or not? Or yeah, 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 yeah. That's real. That's very real. Thank you. That was cool how you were talking about how memories sit, right? Yeah. So I have a question. I'm wondering how those memories sit or sat before versus how they sit now. Cause it's been 10 years, right? You've been writing for 10 years. So are those memories sitting in a place of, on the place above a mantle, in place of where everybody sees them? Or are they sitting in a book? Or are they sitting in the bedroom? Or are they sitting at your kitchen table? Where, where are these memories now? Yeah. Well, they, st- they still emerge in my mind. They're also trapped in the configuration of this book in terms of their availability to others. And the thing is, I could have configured the memories into 1,031 different organizations of a book, it, but now it's trapped in this particular configuration. You know, configuration. Yeah. I might tell you, we might go have lunch after this, and I tell you the story of one of the incidents in this book, and it, it has a it's a completely different narrative or shape, or you know. So I do think, in terms of their my the availability of my memories to others. Yeah. <laughs> Not to be off. We why y'all trying to get philosophical? Not. My favorite. How you like your platano? I went made. to a rap concert last night and then go to bed till twelve o'clock. Okay, my bedtime is ten. I can't be thinking like <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Like this. That's, I stayed up watching uh, Fear the Walking Dead till eleven thirty and. I don't even remember when I was. <laughs> I'm at that. I'm at that age where I'm just like, well, what did we do? Did uh, I sleep? <laughs> well, so I noticed as I was reading through the book and then rereading it again and prepping for the the interview, your your like the level of line that you have, like the control within it, hits the hardest, and is the I find like the most like gut punching. In the plain simplicity of like a statement, like you either pose a fact as a nonchalant sentence or you pose the question, which then ends up deep diving you into like other amazing things. Have you always written with this level of like idea so succinctly? Like there's such certainty in when you say it, the, the, flip of that is I get and I I know I do it because of me being an ESL kid like I was never quite certain with all my language like I was I was like do I need to look that up is that so so I always had problems writing in a passive voice when I was much younger and so I am cognizant of that when I'm writing currently and so I'm still cognizant of that as I write but when I read your work there is such certainty within it that it's it's beautiful, like the where the where the breaks and the lines happen, and it's a sentence. I was like, oh, 
That's absolutely correct. It's water is wet. Gravity <laughs> is things. Oh, my goodness. But, yeah, like, has that always existed? Or did you find yourself, like, honing in on that and doing it? Or I, I bet you it's just innate. I want to ask, do you have, like, an example? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Ah. So. But I do, in the meantime, I do appreciate that because the line is, like, to me, the ultimate element. It's what I work from. Yeah. Yeah. It's not the music. And it's, I mean, I think I don't have to work on that because I come from a musical culture. Okay. Yeah. But, <laughs> but the music is in the speech. But right. so in the, and I put on my glasses, y'all. I'm serious. Oh my about gosh. This stuff. You're like, like a hundred right now. I know. What, what <laughs> happened? Okay. So it said, for, so in the poem, American Honey, which is on page oh, absolutely. five. Like in the first stanza towards the end of the poem or the end of that stanza and then leading into the next, for once you are a girl unmolested. Like flat statement, like what, four words, five words, sentence, boom, done, moves on. Like that is such a level of craft that I am befuddled. Like there's so much built in. In such simple language that and it's it, lean, it's, and it's so lean. So my mm, writing mentor, ooh, okay, um, lean. Yeah, I like that. My writing mentor, Sasha Pimentel, always said, "Cut away all the other language, cut straight to the bone." And like that is a line that even if you just gave it the pause and you didn't put the period, but the fact that the period's there, it's like statement, fact, hecho, punto, final, like uh, nothing, and it's like. Yo, and it keeps happening as the book continues. I see it over and over. And so I'm like, this, this is, this is probably, this is at like soul writing. Like I can't, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even know if I could process like, I'm going to practice writing sentences like this. I like, I don't even, so I say that. And then that's the question. Like, I was just gonna let you keep talking and then find this <laughs> interview later, child, and just quote everything and publish it. This is a review. <laughs> Well, thank you so much. I I I love the the term lean. You know, I I am from a lean and mean background. It's, I think y'all are talking about the poetics of this book. Yeah, like it's exactly. horsepower. We this speaker is gunning through her circumstances to survive them, but also I, I love the. I don't know. Lean and mean makes me think of like a muscle car. Correct. You know? Correct. Correct. So th- that's what I mean about the poetics of the book. Yeah. I get self conscious though about the. Sp- Maybe is it sparseness or the is sparseness. it is it the straightforwardness? You know, because a lot of the a lot of the the popular in vogue style today is layered, stacked, beautiful language. Right, 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 right. right. And yeah, I thank you for pointing that out. That's also the mark of my teacher Nikki Finney, right. who told me, you know, you are a poet. You have to put every word on trial for its life. Correct. Or it don't make it into the Correct. poem. Correct. You know. Hashtag facts. If it Hashtag if it if it don't writers learn. pass, it don't it gotta go. You right. know, I'm a sculptor also. This is a Sestina. Right. So I had to end on girl. But I but you know, you gotta work with the form. The form it will tell sometimes I'll put a poem into a form just uh, for like a round of revision. And even if it doesn't stay in that form, it'll tell me something about the poem. It informs oh. you on which way to go with it. Yeah. That's dope. Um, that is dope. The, one of my other professors used to say that too. He's like, if you don't know where it's going, just put it in form, see what happens. Yeah, it'll tell you oh, something about the lines. That. It'll tell you something about yeah, yeah. the image yeah, system, yeah. you know, like, because uh, all of a sudden a word will be out there on the end that wasn't before. And and what you're really saying is illuminated to you. It's emerged, you yeah. know, it's come to the surface. But I, f- I thank you for the saying that about the plain spokenness of it, because I think our material is words, our material is language, but it's not about using like the biggest words. For me, it's about precision. Correct. Right. Lean, mean, precision. You have such precision with it. It happened again in My Father Tells Me About the Bees. The the last two lines, the, the poem ends by saying, he told me, Oh, what's the last two lines? I need, I, oh. Don't teach your sister to fear the bees. How much fear sounded like destroy. Like, boom, boom, que, que, dime que, dime que. I literally, <laughs> I was washing, like I was washing dishes and I had the book and I was like, I dropped the plate. I was like, <laughs> que, like, cabron, like that. Like, right. 
So there's like like it's boom and then boom mm, next right. and then both sentences right. are in one and from a very performance and Isis knows this so like from a very performative standpoint in performing poetry those two sentences are said in one breath so you leave the reader breathless the minute you finish that there's no you have sucked the air out of the room because you left it with such a heavy like book plate moment like here like if these were the ideas that you put on a boilerplate of a thing that you understand this will shift what you thought you understood and like that sits so intensely so i i like notice those lines and like that's that's like I, you can't do anything like you what I, I think when i working on this too i remember it was in oh it was in so many different forms but we got terses here with a mono stitch so how much fear sound like destroy is a single line right and i remember the end and being like wordy like because you know fear can lead to destructive actions or you know something like yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. but you know i read the poems out loud and I'll start from the beginning and every time something doesn't feel right, I'll stop and I'll go and I'll fix it. Then I'll go back to the top and read through. So I'm just like kind of scaffold down and it has to hit at a, at, it, ha- it has to hit in terms of like feeling for me alone in my house. I have to feel, I have to catch the spirit at right. the end of a poem or I it's like not that. done. Yeah. Correct. So it's, it's architecture. It's like I'm scaffolding everything down and it has to, I have to be able to read through the poem one single time without stopping and feeling like, okay, everything feels right. And then at the end, I need that boom, you know, and done. Beautiful, beautiful. Where that was like that for me. Oh, which one? My father teaches me how to disappear. Oh, yeah. I oh. think that's the best poem in the book. Like, when I read that <laughs> poem, I'll be like, damn. Like, that, me... that poem came out too, like uh, Easy Birth. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. That one where that one had me reaching for my pen. I'm like, okay, how she do this? <laughs> how she do this? How she goes this back and forth? And then the ending. Waiting on it. Waiting on it. Mm-hmm. I, I figured. Uh, it's like that ending where it's just like, like you got to look at the punctuation and you're just like, it's, it doesn't end. And it's like, you better disappear. And it's just like, it stops. Correct. And it was just like, like, you know, that you had, you were talking about catching that spirit. Like for me, it's like a ding in the, in like, bing. Mm-hmm. And I, or, or every, you hear the click into place. Right. right. Like, and I was like, oh, let me grab this pencil right quick and see how she did this because I'm feeling something here. Thank you for this poem, by the way. <laughs> so that actually leads me into the next question. This collection speaks about both like place and space and people and traveling and, and shifting, right? Um, as, as you were cre- constructing the whole manuscript, what things didn't make it into, into this collection? Were there other pieces that you were still on the fence about maybe putting in or were there things that just didn't, didn't quite fit that maybe you were hoping could, but it just didn't? There were like 13 poems that didn't make it in. I I was walking around probably with a group of papers that was like 53 pages. I mean, 53 poems that I had written over the court since I started taking craft workshops in undergrad. I mean, I was right since I was a little girl, but yeah. craft workshops. So this would have been it towards the end of my, M- like, I guess at the beginning of my MFA, I, I had like a binder of poems. And um, so 53 of them didn't make it into the book because they weren't a part of the narrative. I mean, this is a, this is a, I mean, I should have published this as fiction. That's how I feel today after getting rejected yesterday for the last post publication award that I could have been listed for. They they don't know. They don't know. They don't get it. This is a a narrative. Whoever you are. Boo you. Um, (laughs) Hope you hear us. Boo you. Awful. I'm going to go to your house. No, I would like to say that I am not a part of that. So. No, uh, no, uh, I, you know, it, I said I'm. I had to like set out like when I did towards the end of my MFA, decide what kind of book I wanted to write. I wanted to write a non-linear cinematic escape narrative. Done. Right. And I was like really into film. Like I had, you know, worked at the theater and blah, 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 blah. I got a filmic fastest series in a book, but I wanted to structure it as a, as a film. You get a, you start with a flashback scene, credits roll, 
then you go into the, you enter in media res, you enter into the action, right? Now we see some, this girl running, what's she running from? Okay, we flash back to childhood for a section, a section, and we let, we, we flesh all that out, and then we come back to the present, right? And so 13 of the poems just didn't make sense in the narrative. They didn't make sense. They didn't, they weren't struck by the valences of horsepower. So they didn't make it in. Now I have poems for the future, you know. Perfect. Correct. But the, but the precision that we were, so we were talking about in the question before, even though this is a, a narrative and I, and I work that way, um, and the speaker is a character, I actually name her in American Honey Sparkle. A lot of people don't notice that. Yes. Mm-hmm. But a novel would, will probably be the last thing I write in my life because of the way that I work, that scaffolding, that precision, every word on trial for its life. Like, can you imagine? Trying to write that. <laughs> <laughs> That's going to be like, how long were you with? 50 years in this novel. But it'll be the, <laughs> that would be the great American novel. That. Done. It might Done. not be a good novel though because no. I don't know if fiction writers can work that way. Like the sentence can't be so, it can't be in a straight jacket like that. Every sentence in a novel like, pres- like crafted with precision, like that. And, you know, like is is that is that does that work for fiction? Does that I work for prose? You have two people. Tony the Morrison. Joy Priest fan club <laughs> says yes. Tony yes. Morrison maybe w- wrote like that, but I don't know. I don't know if it would work. I find you like let your reader breathe in a book in a, a prose book. Correct, but also I don't know. I keep thinking like as I was reading this. I kept on looking at the sparseness of language. I kept on looking at like, and it's because it's one of the first books that made the most sense to me. Again, the ESL stuff. Um, Alice Walker's the, the color purple, mm-hmm. like the sparseness of the language in that book, mm-hmm. like the, because it's an epistolary, right? Like, what? like that was the first book that shook me. But then when I looked at like the level of like, all these sentences are super short. Like, it's just, it's concise. It's there. And I feel like, yes. So in response, if you ever decided to write with such precision to make a novel, you will, I will be first at that reading and let's go. I won't write another thing ever. Be like, <laughs> what happened? I'll be like, I, just, I wrote it all out. I don't have nothing left. Good stuff. Good stuff. I'm not writing poems right now. That's all right. So. That's all right. Taking a break. That's, that's good. You earned it. You deserve it. Thank you, Isis. So that leads, man, these are awesome. It's like we are cosmically attuning things. <laughs> Will you ever come back to this place mm. and these moments, these totems, these elements, these people, this narrative in any other format or genre or writing? Like, will you ever come back to these ever? The these being the, the, all the spaces and the places and the the individual. Oh, like the memories I worked power. from. And yeah, the, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm. I mean, I don't think that I'm not ever outside of them. Even in the new manuscript, which is dealing with more of like a, I don't know what exactly I'm doing, so I don't want to attempt to articulate it. But it's not as close to the me. Close to the you best. know. Yeah, 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 close to the best. It's it's a we. It's working from a we. But even still. The best poem I've written in my life, the most recent poem, is about my father. It's like I like I'll be driving down the street and a and I, a poem will come to in my into my head and I'm like, oh, that's a good poem. I'm gonna write that down. And then I realize, damn, it's another poem about my father. No, no like I'm not writing any more poems. We on a moratorium, okay? Right. Like, right. but you know, the everybody, every writer has said it. You have your subjects that you can't. That won't release you. Yeah. You know, Sharon O's parents, Natasha's mother. Right. Um, my father, you know. Right. Basically our parents. Correct. <laughs> Correct. What are our obsessions, the things that we obsessed? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that's beautiful. So but it's good. But the good thing is my dad uh is you know, quintessential well, just like the normal narcissism that patriarchy bestows upon us. He he loves to he loves being written about, so he'll be all right. you know <laughs> it's like cool. at least I ain't got to deal with that issue of like beefing with my dad because I'm writing about him. But uh, but yeah, okay. So that was an amazing interview, and the next thing we're gonna work on 
is the most important part of our podcast. Is it which is the lightning round? The lightning round. Are we there yet? We're we're about to be there. We're yes. gonna take a little quick moment for a pause. Okay. And then we'll come back with the lightning round. And these will be those those questions that mm-hmm. everyone wants. The to the know important about. questions. The important yeah. questions. So this is now the important thing. This is the lightning round. This is the hard-hitting questions. There are ground rules for how we do this lightning round. You have 30 seconds Mm -hmm. to respond to the questions that we pose. That's a long time. I thought this was lightning. Okay, well, then you have five seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. So you will have 10 seconds to respond to these lightning round questions. It has to be the first thing that pops into your mind. All of these are scenario-based questions. I'm kidding. There's just there's just questions. This is pressure. You just need to be ready. If you're listening to this, everyone, take a deep breath. Cause here we go. Ten questions. Start the clock. Tick, 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 boom. Here we go. One. Tacos <laughs> or spaghetti? You have five <laughs> seconds. You fucked Four. me up on that one because before you said tacos or burgers and I had the taco burger ready for you. <laughs> tacos or spaghetti? Tacos. Like. All right. That okay. works. All right. That's good. Two. A drive-in movie or a movie eatery? We doing a drive-in. I love the drive-in. See, There's a beautiful good. one here in, in Houston, too, where you can see the skyline in the background. Correct. Mm-hmm. And I have to go there at If some anybody point. wants to date me, you know what to do. <laughs> Inkwell, the dating show. (laughs) (laughs) They in vogue now. (laughs) Uh, Number three, typing a poem or writing a poem? Writing while drafting, typing while revising. Ooh, precision. She hits you with the one-two punch right there. She did. I was not prepared for that response. It was brutal. It was on there. Four, last good documentary you've seen. The Ali Wong stand-up special. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love Ali Wong. I'm putting that That's on the documentary. Okay, <laughs> all three of them for the working woman. No, uh, <laughs> Exterminate the Brutes by is it Raul Peck on HBO Max? Oh, okay, cool, 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 cool. Inkwell, the Ali Wong support fan. Fan podcast. Who also I show my students in um, Intro to Women's Studies at UH this. This week, Dolores, the documentary on Dolores Huerta. Oh, oh yeah, excellent! So if you I want to cry, yeah. like every five minutes. Oh wow, what? I and need also to be so inspired. Good. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Where can we see it? Is it? It's available? on Amazon um, Prime. I think yeah. you got to rent it though. Yeah. Oh okay. Somebody hit the Tintero Projects Twitter with the info at Tintero Project. Somebody, somebody educate Lupe. Somebody educate me. Okay, question five. Show that you're currently binging. Space Force? Yeah! <laughs> I just started it. I had like gotten the first episode. It, it, it's, it's awesome. So it's, it's, it's awesome. Also, like John Malkovich, like, where did he come from? Where John Malkovich is in it? Stop it. That's awesome. <laughs> it's ridiculous. I gotta watch okay. I don't think we use John Malkovich enough. <laughs> I just I'm saying. Like no. Steve Carell was like, why is John Malkovich not employed? <laughs> What the fuck is going on? He's a genius. Absolutely. He's a comedic genius, if y'all didn't know. Yeah, very much so. Question six. Avocado toast, yay or nay? I'm into it lately. I'm into it. I think people put far too much avocado on the toast. I like a little light, thin layer, and I like an egg on top. Mm -hmm. Second follow-up question to that, because this is an interview podcast. Yeah, I heard. Uh, mm-hmm. Wheat bread or like butter bread? I like rye bread. Ooh. But only for Ooh. certain things. Like a t- like I don't want my avocado toast to be rye bread. Okay, I'll, you so. know, I'll, like a tuna sandwich. My avocado toast, I like a thick, probably a thick wheat bread. Okay. Ooh, okay. 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 I'm a sourdough. Oh, sourdough is nice. Sourdough, pepper before you put the avocado. I like the pepper. Yes. Come on. And then an egg. Ooh. First Watch has an interesting avocado toast, and then they put radishes on it. Oh, they do. They put it on the top. Uh, Inkwell, the culinary show. 
I've never had avocado toast. Oh, muchacha. Yeah. Of course, my favorite meal is the Beyonce special. You know, the Popeyes with a strawberry soda. (laughs) (laughs) I might have that today. I might have that today. That sounds good. Uh, Okay, question seven. Oh, a song that lingers in you. A song that lingers in me. There's a leak in this old building, y'all. But my soul has got to move my soul. What? Stop. Done. I love this episode so much. (laughs) Uh, Question eight. Um, The farthest you have ever flown for a reading. Damn. I thought you was going to ask me the farthest I ever flown, and it was for some dick, which is unfortunate. I flew from Provincetown, Massachusetts to San Francisco, and I wow. had an anxiety attack on the plane, which I did, like, didn't know that was going to happen. But have you been in a s- small cylinder flying through the sky for six hours? Don't do that direct. Sometimes Don't. you want to lay over. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Correct. Let's get back to the it original was- question. <laughs> this is, how long have you flown for some stuff? <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like, I'm at the, I'm like, no, don't leave it out. I'm like, how much have you? Why would they put that plane in the air for for a whole like what six hours? Let's no, unless it's going international. Beat me out, please, because because men are embarrassing. Like the least, leave the mystery. People can think I was talking about a woman. Right, save my right for some stuff. (laughs) Edit that part in there. Um, so for reading, for reading. Well, let's see. Um, I haven't been flown out for a reading because my book came out during the pandemic. Oh, y'all, make that happen! And all the people that so far, the farthest I flew is from here to Kentucky in January, this past January. But you know, all the people that had me read during the pandemic, I appreciate paying me the same money you was gonna pay somebody to fly. But y'all promised me now that y'all was gonna fly me out when we. Went back to flying out, so I need to get flued out. I'm coming for you. I need. I'm coming back with the receipts. So, Inkwell, the receipts show. Be ready, <laughs> peoples. Ponte atento. I want my hotel room, my my dinner with with the established writers and stuff. I didn't get that. Right. Okay. Right. And no dry chicken. Inkwell, the hug show, because we're gonna hug after this. Because support, support. Uh, question nine, car trips or bus trips? If you had to take them. Car trips. I'm, I'm traumatized from the Greyhound, the Chinatown bus. And I did not have a car in my entire twenties from age actually 18 to, I just bought my first car last uh, November, 2020. I like the car. Good stuff. That's awesome. Uh, Follow-up question. Uh, if you stop off to get something to drink on a longer trip, what do you buy? Nothing, because I got to overact the bladder. Oh, okay. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I'm going to get that 24-ounce water. That's fine. That makes sense. That's perfect. Question 10. When this is, uh, you're going to finish off the sentence. It's the first time we're trying oh one of these. Oh, fill in the blank? The fill in the blank. Oh, my it's gosh. It's like a Mad Libs kind of You're such an educator. I, I know. Totally it's tell. Bad. Uh, Inkwell, the education show. Um, when I think of good Southern things, I think of um, hot water cornbread. I know she was gonna go food. I knew she. I knew she was gonna go food. I was trying not to too, because that's the first thing that popped in my right. mind, and I was like, "What?" Else? That's good, mm-hmm. ladies and gentlemen. Joy Priest. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, 11th question. Uh, what are your socials? How do we follow you? How do we keep up? What are you doing with all this amazingness that you are? How can we, how can our listeners keep up with you and the things you're doing? Me and my amazingness are just sitting at home in my bedroom watching the TV. So please, if you're a decent person, let's hang out. But you can find me on Twitter at Dale Mama. That is at D-A-L-A-I underscore M-A-M-A underscore. I don't know how long I'll be there. It's it's turning into a treacherous place. Mm. You can also find me on Instagram for the visuals um, at, at Dolly underscore mama without the second underscore. Oh, 
Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Okay, cool. Uh, Inkwell, the underscore show. Okay, you can stop now. <laughs> Let me underscore how fabulous of host that you you two are. Mm-hmm. Yay! It's mostly it's no, it's, it's mostly, mostly Isis. It's she does all the good work. So, welcome back to this next season. Uh, we have tons of other writers in store, but we're not going to tell you who they are because that'd be cheating. That'd be cheating. And uh, Joy, thank you so much. Thank you all. This was fun. This is a good time. On this right? rainy Saturday. Yes. On a, yeah, on a Saturday. I'm gonna have to come back and be a third host. I That's perfect. Oh, we would love sure. to have you. This is fun. Yes. Oh my I mean, god. I mean, and also, this. I'm like the voice of Beyonce. I mean, people don't know that I'm not Beyonce. I could be Beyonce. It's Beyonce, y'all. Mm-hmm. It's the thing. Well, here's the thing. If you were Beyonce, I would have lost my ish. <laughs> Long ago. No, because you signed the non-disclosure. You, said, you see, so. that's what it is. <laughs> my fingers signed the non-disclosure, but my, my soul and my spirit not correct. Correct. does not does not configure in this. <laughs> I would lose it. We will talk to y'all folks in the future. I think our next few episodes. We can. We are not going to give you any sneak peeks no, or tidbits. No, you can, they're going to have to come back. But you're going to have to come back. But and good, if you though. really liked this episode, then you need to listen to the other three seasons because we have an amazing stable of writers that we've been interviewing. Uh, if you'd like this episode, you can subscribe to it, and uh, you'll get notifications for when the next episodes come out. And we're available where all fine bro- podcasts are listened to. Oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. So we moved up in the world. Louis okay, established to-do list, to-do list. <laughs> Step one, buy horsepower. Step two, say hello to Joy on the socials, but don't be creepy. Step three, one through three of the podcast. Step four, subscribe so you get notifications when we release the realness. And write a, a little comment. Tell us how awesome we are, because we are. Just say the truth, essentially. And be done. And then, yeah, done. Yeah. And drink water. That's drink, fine. And drink water. Take care of social, you know, self-care is real. We're fierce. We're brilliant. And uh, we love you. Talk to you later. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to Ink Well, a collaboration between Tentero Projects and Imprint, based in Houston, Texas. Ink Well is hosted by Jasmine and Lupe Mendez of Tentero Projects. Produced by Krupa Parik and Rich Levy of Imprint, and recorded, engineered, and edited by Three Wire Creative. Inkwell is made possible by Houston Endowment, the Jerry C. Deering Family Foundation, the City of Houston through the Houston Arts Alliance, the Texas Commission on the Arts, and Imprint's other generous supporters. For more information on Inkwell, visit imprinthouston.org. To offer feedback on this and future episodes, email info at imprinthouston.org. We also invite listeners near and far to attend our readings and workshops in person and online. Until next time, keep reading and keep writing.